Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, 27th of July, and I've been shouting, as I'm sure all of you have, at Kaylee in the pool winning gold. Goodness, it's exhausting trying to do the stock market and the Olympic Games at the same time. Anyway, fantastic stuff. And a fairly Olympic performance continues from the stock market as well. We're up 34 points. That's on the back of Wall Street, up 82. Fresh record closes on all the US markets. Energy in the lead overnight. BHP and Rio up 3 to 4% in the US overnight. And they're up 3.1% and 2.4% here this morning. Nickel price up 20% since April. I've got a couple of charts of the nickel and copper prices in the strategy piece today. Nickel price up 80% from the bottom last year and the copper price up over 100%. It's doubled now in a year and up at 3%. Copper price up 3% overnight as Chinese floods in a key production area threatens Chinese copper supply. And Oz Minerals, a copper stock up 8.2% on production guidance. Can't go wrong with this nickel, copper, lithium theme at the moment. Lithium stocks up again today, absolutely popping at the moment, and the nickel stocks. And my one-stock portfolio pick, Poseidon Nickel, not quite getting ahead of Archer Minerals or Henry's Archer Minerals pick yet, but up yesterday and up again today. But all the nickel stocks are doing that. When's it end? Don't know. I'm sure it's getting a little bit frothy. I'm sure as well that there are a host of brokers calling the CEOs of every lithium, nickel and copper stock at the moment, suggesting that they do a capital raising to take advantage of the current share price rises. And although that might seem like a negative, sometimes when resources stocks need cash in order to get a project going, once the commodity price behind it reaches a certain threshold, it all becomes viable and they need capital raisings. And a capital raising sometimes confirms the long-term prospects for a stock and the share price rise share price rises on the announcement of a capital raising rather than falling over anyway all getting very frothy in those sectors at the moment but as i say let's not do any selling just because share prices are up you're supposed to buy when share prices go up let's just wait for it to end if it does cryptocurrencies also up overnight bitcoin up nine percent there's a cryptocurrency conference going on in the u.s where all sorts of people seem to be endorsing the idea of cryptocurrencies from Elon Musk to Twitter to Amazon, who are talking about their own cryptocurrency. That's helping that whole stable of currencies. Tesla's had results overnight. It was up 2.2% on results. And I've written a little bit about them. The delays, or rather they have had to delay their semi-truck launch because of global supply issues of certain minerals and also battery cells. And this further highlights the need for auto companies to lock in supply agreements as Tesla did with BHP over nickel last week. Other quick things before we move on to strategy, Temple and Web. Huge return on equity, huge margin selling Chinese furniture into Australia. They've seen sales up 141% in the last year, share price up 7.1% today. Freelancer down 16% on results today. Blue Scope Steel up 5%, saying they're seeing strong demand, the highest production guidance in 19 years. Chinese stocks fell 3.2% yesterday as Chinese authorities interfere in tech stocks. And I was interested to see over the weekend that they have 
banned online tutoring in core subjects for children and no education on the weekends and holidays. Now there's outrage at the billions of dollars of investment by overseas companies in online education in China being wiped out. But the reason for it is quite compelling, which is that they think kids are under too much pressure and online tutoring or tutoring costs too much money, putting a financial burden on parents that has impacted the birth rate. Goldman Sachs have dropped their valuations of online tutoring stocks by 78% in a piece of research yesterday. And I do remember one of our ex-colleagues, a Chinese young mother, who told us years ago she would never return to China and put her son through the education system because it is too competitive and it's not good for him. And far better he grow up in Australia where education isn't everything and that it's no good being smart if you're miserable. Probably why my kids are so happy. Anyway, interesting development. The Chinese just plowing on without caring about the impact on foreign corporates. As I say, the Chinese market, particularly the Hong Kong market, fell yesterday. They're they're down a little bit today, but they're okay. The stock you would obviously fear for in Australia is IDP Education, but I'm not sure they're affected. They're in the business of student placements and international English English language. <laughs> Maybe I should get some English language testing. International English language testing, and they recently popped on a $130 million acquisition in India, making them the sole IELTS provider in India. Share price down 1.3% today. They don't seem to be affected. Right, strategy stuff. Let me take you back to the weekend email, if I can. And I tabled a few quotes few collected quotes criticizing U.S. stimulus. So we had the Washington Post. The Fed is addicted to propping up the markets even when there is no need to, pushing wealth inequality to historic levels. Bloomberg. Powell is Wall Street's head of state and shows complete dominance over financial markets, with the Fed blowing up the mother of all bubbles in the world's financial markets. That was actually the IMF said that last one. And the Fed actions have formed the greatest financial bubble in history. And the Fed, according to the Wall Street Journal, is rewriting the laws of investment. And as you probably heard the quote from Jeremy Grantham earlier this year, the markets are in an epic bubble. And according to the Financial Times, stimulus has created a Jenga-like structure in the credit markets. And I also made the point in the weekend email that if you look at the NASDAQ versus the S&P 500 since the pandemic breakout, yes, tech stocks were outperforming or the NASDAQ was outperforming the S&P 500. But when the pandemic came along, the NASDAQ on a relative basis relative to traditional equities took off absolutely took off. The bottom line is the pandemic, uh, the the tech stocks, not just pandemic immune, they have become pandemic dependent. And if you were to stick all the CEOs of Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, Alphabet, Amazon, all of which have results this week, by the way, into a private room, I'm pretty sure they're all going to chink glasses and toast the pandemic because it has been one of the most fabulous events for tech companies, not only because they sell to the world and the pandemic outbreak 
in the US has damaged corporates, but they are selling globally, not nationally, but also because they benefit the more time people spend sat in front of their keyboards as they have, because most of their products, advertising, activity is done on a computer screen. Same for the healthcare stocks as well. The truth of the matter is that the big end of Wall Street, and I say healthcare, what about the investment banks? The investment banks have made a fortune in the US out of being handled money and being told to go and buy assets with them. And if they've gone and bought equities, then they've made an enormous return out of almost free money in the last year, meaning not just technology companies and healthcare, but also investment banks, the big end of Wall Street, want stimulus. They want the pandemic and they want this gravy train to continue. And they are even, the investment banks are even considered to be a pivotal part of the stimulus effort. So all of them want the status quo to remain. They want Jerome Powell to be re-elected and they want the super chicken, Janet Yellen. I'm beginning to sound like a conspiracy theorist, aren't I? They want the super chicken, Janet Yellen, at his side telling him to be careful. They want to extend stimulus as far as they can. Bottom line, nobody on Wall Street wants a cure. Everyone needs the pandemic. They need people sat in front of their computers and they need the stimulus and God forbid for the equity markets that it ends. Good news is, of course, is it probably won't. There is a Fed meeting which started last night, which we will hear about on Thursday morning our time. So Wall Street's a bit of a risk on Wednesday, but they are going to do everything they can not to upset the apple cart. So we probably don't need to worry about it. But just an interesting observation that the pandemic is actually good news for most equities. It's sort of counterintuitive, but it's probably true. I also introduced as an, as an aside, sidebar, I also introduced the MOVE index, M-O-V-E index in the US. It's like the VIX index, but for the bond market, which is probably more important than the VIX index on equities, which is bound to be more fickle. The bond market tends to move more slowly, being as it is the distillation of all macroeconomic inputs. So I've added the MOVE index to our weekly sectors chart section. When you see it, you'll know what it is. And it is from November last year when it was at historic record lows, in other words, record levels of complacency, it has started to rise and is on the rise at the moment. Anyway, you can see that on Fridays in the weekly sectors chart section. Right, back to today's strategy. The observation today is that the 10-year bond yields continue to fall. We have got a Fed meeting this week. They're doing everything they can to keep financial markets stable, but it is slightly incongruous that the equity market relentlessly rises whilst the bond market is telling us that we have seen peak growth but the equity market which should logically react to the cycle, which appears to have peaked. The economic cycle appears to have peaked. The equity market doesn't care as long as this tsunami of Fed-sourced money continues to make its way into all asset classes, then the Fed-backed bull market will continue. Ours is not to question why. Ours is to make as much money as we can whilst it lasts, and it could go on for years. We will wake 
up to that FOMC meeting on Thursday morning. The Fed utterings are becoming ever more crucial. Can they avoid a tantrum from the markets? They are succeeding so far. Let's enjoy it whilst we can. No need to sell anything until the top is obvious. Right, finally, a member, Marcin, I did mention before, suggested that I have a read of Mark Minervini's books. I have put links to those. They're available on Amazon. I've put links to those in the newsletter today, and I've been reading the first book, Corny Title, Think and Trade Like a Champion. The second one is more recent, Trade Like a Stock Market Wizard, more of an update by the looks of it. And there's another one he's written, Mindset Secrets for Winning, all corny titles. And I'm sure when we when the market tips over, I'll look back and, and you look at those signs of the market top, and I'll probably look back and say, I was reading Mindset. Mark Minervini reading a book called Think and Trade Like a Champion, which is about identifying super performance stocks. I'll probably look back and say, oh, God, everyone was so confident of the market. I was reading a book about super performance. But there you go, a sign of the times, maybe, or it may just be a good book. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Quite enjoying the read. I have taken some notes for you from the first few chapters of Think and Trade Like a Champion. You might find some of them interesting. Certainly, Chris Conway, who runs our trading section, repeated some of them back to me. So impressed was he at the wisdom of Mark Minervini. I'll give you a couple of the main ones that. I agree with. One of them is him talking about trading. And this is trading, not investing, right? Trading is about making money, not getting it right. In other words, don't worry about whether you've got it wrong. Getting things wrong is a very valuable part of the process. You have to focus on the goal, which is to make money, not to get it right. Trading is not about ego, pride. It's about making money however you can. Other little quotes of his, if you treat trading as a hobby, it will pay you like a hobby. If you treat trading as a business, it will pay you like a business. Another one is the observation that fund fund managers stay invested even during dreadful market conditions. And one of the fabulous parts about being an individual investor is you don't have a committee looking over your shoulder. You don't have transparency. You don't have people criticizing you or trolling you. You can do what you want. And almost no fund manager, except for us, almost no fund manager can just get out of the market sometimes. But that is clearly one of the biggest luxuries of being an individual trader. Another one I liked was growth comes at the expense of comfort, no doubt. And you can read some of the others there. And as I read the book, I continue to take notes and will reflect some of them to you. I can see this coming back to bite me when the market falls over. And Marcus was quoting a super performance expert. Whatever. It's all good for the moment. Dow futures down 71 as I leave you. Our market up 29. Victoria out of lockdown. Sydney looks like it's going further in. An endless stream of human achievement on the TV. Good luck with your human achievement in the stock market today. I will speak to you tomorrow. (laughs) 